Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from 670 The Score and the Mullen Haw Show. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune, straight out of Hallis Hall, talking to you days before the Bears go to Detroit to try to do something that's going to be very difficult, beat the Lions at Ford Field. Busy week at Hallis Hall, Dan. The return of Justin Fields has dominated most of the conversation. How are the Bears feeling days before kickoff? Yeah, look, I think they're about to enter uh, a game and really a three-game stretch that's going to tell them a lot about their direction. They don't have to go undefeated in this stretch, obviously. Uh, but you want to see a brand of football that's competitive, that looks like it is uh, an improved brand of football. The Bears have had moments this year where they look competent, where, where the functionality of everything is, is looking much better than it did a year ago. Now it's consistency, it's stringing it together, and it's rising – to the level of high quality opponents, this opponent in Detroit, the seven and two lions is, is high quality. And I thought it was really interesting this week to hear from guys like Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet acknowledging uh, how weird it is to see the lions playing such a high quality level of football and, and just how uh, the, the, their admiration for what the lions are doing is, is so notable. 
Well, they're 13 and four in their last 17 games. That's the equivalent of one full season. And the Bears obviously coming off a three and 14 year. That tells you how uh, the two teams are in opposite directions. And it is kind of strange because you figure the Lions are going to, I mean, Lionsing used to be a verb not yeah. that long ago. And now they are kind of the, the class of the division. So a lot of conversation on Justin Fields' return, a lot of speculation about what this means. Let's get right into it with our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the opening drive. Don't think it was any surprise. Justin Fields declared the starter. He talked about his dislocated thumb healing, Dan. And I think we'll get to some audio about what everybody said. Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, and Luke Getze. Overall, though, how would you describe the stakes over the final seven games for Justin Fields in a process, in a reevaluation process? Is that too strong? That begins Sunday at Ford Field continues Sunday at Ford Field. That's that's the verb that needs to be used here because I think that there's like been this perception in some pockets that okay, it's a seven game uh report card that the Bears are going to put together. No. Justin has made 31 starts. He's been with the Bears, you know, for for three seasons and they've played I think they're up to 44 or 45 games now since he was drafted and so this is an ongoing evaluation that continues now that he's back from the dislocated thumb and everything that happens from this point forward will be added in to what they've watched up until this point as far as the stakes they're huge they're absolutely huge because we've documented this for a while now with what the Bears are potentially facing across multiple fronts with the decision making process in the front office number one potentially having the number one overall pick or at least a top two or three pick by virtue of the Carolina Panthers. Who knows where the Bears pick winds up at the end of this? If it's still a top 10 pick, is it still a top five pick? How does that impact things? Justin's fifth year option, which now under the new CBA is is fully guaranteed for 2025 if the Bears choose to exercise that by May. So there are so many things that they have to to to, to make decisions on up to up the ladder at House Hall that this seven game stretch is the closing arguments so of this entire trial, this three season trial at Justin Fields, and it's his chance to again, as we talked about earlier in the week, take the steering wheel of this whole thing and steer it whichever direction he hopes and wants it to go. We'll see where he takes it, but the stakes are huge, even if even if Justin, which we'll get to in a minute, is is so grounded in the now, which I'm very impressed with. Yeah, that's very impressive. I, I think it's he's got to look at it as a seven-game audition, if you will. And, and even though the Bears may think they have made their minds up, you have to leave open just a sliver of possibility. There's too many variables that are in play. They may not have the first overall pick. They may not be in a position to draft a quarterback. Justin Fields might be the best option after all is said and done at the end of a 17-game season. And they have to keep their mind open to that possibility and give him the chance to – to, to make a strong case. This is his closing argument, if you will. And he's got an opportunity to do over seven games. What he did in a six-game stretch last year was kind of change the perception of what he can be as an NFL quarterback. So I think all those things lead me to believe, and it may be overstating it or sounds like hyperbole, um, Sunday's as big of a game as Justin Fields has started for the Bears, only because it begins uh, it begins the process of being reevaluated for the reasons you described, and I think what's at stake for his career. 
Yeah, and look, it's a division game, you know, and, yeah. and, and when we talk about we measure quarterbacks, right, by by how they perform on third down in the red zone in big moments in the fourth quarter. And we also measure them by by what they do in their division, because that's the first step in becoming a, a, a you know, high quality and eventually an elite football team in this league is, is controlling your division. Justin won his first ever division start against the Lions in week four of his rookie season in 2021 and has since lost 10 in a row in the division um look like that's not good enough his rating in division games is 79.7 and you've got this three game stretch now lions vikings bye week lions where you're playing three consecutive division games against quality opponents and we know what the vikings did defensively to flummox them the last time that he played a game in general and that's sandwiched between these two games against the division leading lions that should tell us a lot and so this is this is it right like this is this is go time it's it's the opportunity here to um respond you know to meet the moment and i think um to, to, to segue a little bit into our sound here, I thought Matt Eberflus was pretty straightforward when asked on Wednesday afternoon whether the seven remaining games were enough to to make a, a, an informed judgment on who Justin Fields is as a quarterback. Here's what the Fluce had to say. I think seven weeks is enough time for the to show consistency, you know, and being the high performer, you know, that we expect him to be, you know, and I, I know he's had some good performances, you know, along this year. Um, certainly the last few have been, been you know, solid and, uh, you know, we can we expect consistency, you know, out of all our positions. That was pretty vague. I, I think consistency is the word you keep hearing. And obviously the the goal it, last time out, it's like they're pretending the Minnesota first half for until he was injured didn't really happen. And I, and I think that's convenient. The two yeah. games before that certainly were uh, exceptions to the rule, I suppose. His, his overall record of, uh, you know, as a starter is not good, but I think that he did. The only thing he did in that answer was reinforce the need to see consistent performances out of Justin Fields. Well, right. He used that word twice and he used that word twice for a reason. We listened to Ryan Poles in 2022 talk about young quarterbacks and grading the flashes and being, um, you know, able to see potential, right? That's what you're looking for early on in a career is, is does this guy have it in him to make high level plays? Well, Justin answered those questions and he showed flashes and that's why he was given the opportunity to remain uh, the undisputed QB one for 2023 and well now the next step is can you clear that consistency checkpoint and we can't pass him through that checkpoint until he he earns the right to be passed through that checkpoint consistency is the name of the game here the other thing that you hear from Matt Eberflus a lot you hear from Luke Getzi a little bit is the need to, t- to take care of the football and so that's going to be part of the consistency grade over these next three games in the final seven of the season assuming Justin's able to start them all which is another part of consistency right are you consistently available and when we talk about missing 11 games missing a quarter of of the the team's uh, games due to injury or illness over your career, that's part of consistency is can you play consistently? Because what interrupts consistency? It's not playing for a month. You know, and obviously this is a long stretch for Justin with this thumb injury, but that's all part of the grade. Before we get to what Justin Fields had to say about what's at stake over the seven games, you know, I think it's interesting to consider Jared Goff is, is having a very – strong season very quietly i think he's somewhat underrated yeah and he's he's hitting the the long plays i think there's only one quarterback cj stroud's the only quarterback in the nfl has more completions of 20 or more yards and jared goff is getting it done but i wonder if this is the only time over the remaining seven games or the lions are the only team against whom the bears won't have an edge at quarterback is that 
Is that probably wishful thinking, Dan? I mean, but, but when you look at what Justin Fields is capable of accomplishing and you look at Deshaun Watson is out and Kirk Cousins is out and who the Bears have left to play, shouldn't Justin Fields reasonably think that the schedule is lined up for him to succeed? Um, how do you feel about Kyler Murray? Well, I mean, if he's healthy, you just don't know what version of Kyle, Kyler Murray you're going to get. I, that's a that's a valid comeback. I, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that can be dynamic two weeks in a row, two series in a row. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray at his best, right? Uh, he has more experience and more positive experiences in the NFL than Justin Fields. That's a very similar matchup in terms of explosiveness. But what? You know, Kyler Murray, you talk about consistency, just coming back from an ACL. Certainly the first game back was what you want to see. If he's still on the field in December, I think that's going to be probably one. Yeah, OK, valid. That That's probably one that they would not have the advantage. Yeah, but, but look, in terms of quarterback matchups, this is not a intimidating slate to close right. the season at all. The Bears right. defense should be drooling at that. Now, Justin's going to have to step up and meet challenges. We mentioned the Vikings defense. We saw what Brian Flores did for two and a half quarters. I think it was seven possessions last month when he was able to take uh, Justin completely out of his game and, and, and knock the Bears offense completely out of source. The Cleveland Browns defense has been one of the best in the league all year. That's waiting yeah. before you know we get to the Christmas season. And so there, there are some challenges here, but they're good challenges because what do you want? You want them to go play the the you know five bottom defenses and put up uh, you know these false positives and and, and things that, that give you uh, you know, fool's gold's return, and and you think that you've got something that you don't really have. Um, so look, like this, this is it's a it's a fair test, just as this whole season has been set up as a fair test. Justin's got an offensive line that is uh, as healthy and intact as it's been going to Detroit, as it's been since since training camp. He's got answers in the receiving core, in the tight end group, in the running back room to help him to not have to do it all. He's got a defense that, as we've documented here recently, that has kept the Bears in football games and is playing a level of football that you can be successful with if you can cut down on your game-changing mistakes and manage a football game accordingly. So this it's a fair test, and and, and I think he's eager to go uh, into it, and, and, and he understands that it starts – with the first question on the test, which is Detroit Sunday at Ford Field. And, and and so this was Justin's answer when asked about the seven game sample size and what's left for him to prove. Uh, I mean, in it just starts with Sunday um, and just taking it day by day. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my focus right now. It's just, you know, focusing on Sunday, get prepared for that. Uh, you know, going out there, playing hard, playing to the uh, best of my ability. That was a good answer. I think he was pretty stoic. Um, I, I think that uh, you heard... Uh, you were there, Dan. I mean, how would you describe his demeanor? He was pretty serious, seemed pretty focused, and somebody that was uh, ready to come back after being off a month. Yeah, you know, look, like I asked him directly, is, is this the longest stretch in your football life that you've missed inside of a season of of not being in game action? He said in senior year of high school, he had, you know, uh, at least one, possibly two broken fingers on his right hand that kept him out for about the same amount of time, he said. So it's not a totally new experience, but it's frustrating. It's really difficult to, as a competitor, be confined to the side sidelines to um, not be able to go do what you do and what you love doing. And so you've got to learn to adapt to that. And, and to Justin's credit, he said he, he really appreciated the perspective he gained from watching from the sideline, which he's had to do before, obviously. Uh, and and hopefully there are things that he took away from the, the four and a half game Tyson Bajan experience that helps him, you know, see things a little differently, helps him react a little differently, helps him make decisions a little differently. And then he also went on to say, look, like Tyson and I are 
different quarterbacks and we're going to play the game differently. So while I may pluck a thing or two here or there, it's not like I'm going to try to become Tyson Bajan for obvious reasons, you know, and so we'll see where he goes. You mean he didn't study Tyson Bajan like Chris Collinsworth advised him to do? I, I never took exception to that comment the way a lot of the, the Chicago uh, world did, because I thought that there were things that Tyson Bajan did in terms of pocket presence and quick decision-making and distributing the ball that, that this quarterback should borrow, should borrow and add to his game, which obviously has a much higher ceiling and has a much uh, greater level of potential because of, of the gifts he has. Well, now you start to add in some of the nuanced uh, the parts of quarterback play. You can make yourself even better. I think that's fair, but I also think that everything is about tone and delivery and the tone and delivery of that comment at that time in that context was sounding <laughs> somewhat condescending. And it was in the context of everything else where NBC was really laying on thick the education of Tyson Bajan. And I think that just came off a little bit uh, thank, thankfully, uh, the wrong way. But thankfully, t Justin Fields took it for what it was worth and handled it very well. As he did the question for Patrick Finley, when Patrick asked him if uh, when Tyson Bajan had success, some people, some people wanted to create a quarterback controversy. This is how he answered that with that exchange. Yeah, I mean, of course, but that's the world we live in nowadays. You know, everybody wants, um, you know, everybody wants to cause a stir, cause media attention, boom, 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 comments, stories. So um, that's just, you know, that's just what comes with it. Um, but, you know, I, I knew that was going to happen from the get-go, so it, it came to me as no surprise. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, like I said, I was coming in the building every day, um, being the same guy I was, you know, before I was hurt and, um, you know, just trying to be the best leader I can be. Obviously, David, when when Patrick Finley asked about, quote unquote, some people creating a quarterback controversy, he was directly referring to our producer, Adam Stadzinski, who was at the front of the line to create a Justin versus Tyson uh, uh, battle royale, as we've documented on this podcast many times. Uh, I did like Justin's answer to that because he looked look like like Justin's maturity through everything he's been through through three seasons is impressive. You know, it, it's totally admirable. And it's one of the reasons that people inside the building feel so strongly about giving him the opportunity to succeed because he's he's earned that you know he's earned that credibility inside the building and 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 it's it's uh it's cool because I, like like he he's not going to shrivel from this moment in his career right he may not perform up to to expectations he may not satisfy the wants of of the bears fan base and more importantly the bears coaching staff in front office at Ellis hall but but justin's not going to you know cower and, and suddenly be like oh my god my career's on the line i'm gonna get all tight and and over urgent and try to do too much and it's gonna it's gonna come completely unraveled and so now let's go take the test let's go see what it looks like uh starting sunday in, in detroit yeah, performances like that, or I guess just answers like that, make you think and you feel confident. I do think Justin Fields is going to be a, an NFL starting quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be in Chicago. I, I really, I'm not sure after you know had this where this year's gone and where the draft uh, realities may come into play. But I, I do like the way he handles himself, and I think uh, on Wednesday it was the latest example. And I think that you know that's a that maturity and that leadership that that is, it seems very natural has always been his strongest suit.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. There's no question. And, and one last voice on this topic, because we obviously heard Matt Eberflus call for consistency. And then the offensive coordinator a day later, Luke Getze, met with us in the media room at Hallis Hall and was asked about what, you know, what does consistency look like through your eyes down the stretch of this season for Justin Fields? Always starts with taking care of the football, right? I think that's the, 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 the starting point for, for anybody on offense, but specifically the quarterback. And then it's just like what I just what I was mentioning before. It's about getting better and progressing each and every week, right? And so I think there was really cool... Uh, parts of this season that we saw that from him, right? And then inf- unfortunately the injury comes. So let's get back on track with that and let's continue to grow together. Does movement in the pocket fall into that category for you? Uh, I mean, for sure. I think that's because that's part of taking care of the football, right? I think that's uh, you know, you know, sometimes there's there's bad looks or bad play calls or bad whatever and you have to make the best out of it and not make a bad play worse, right? And so that's part of that. And then pocket movement, sometimes somebody makes a mistake and we'll avoid it and you can make uh, minimum that mistake as much as you can. That's part of playing that position for sure. And so all that, all that stuff in together is part of him growing. Uh, David, I love that answer because like that for me is so much of this, right? That, that when we talk about the eye test down the stretch of the season, it's what do you look like in the pocket? Are you comfortable? Are you able to uh, get out of something that is dangerous and turn it into something productive or at the very least non-dangerous, right? And can you, can you manipulate the pocket? Can you climb more than Justin has? Can you shuffle? Can you make throws when you're, you're not just taking your drop, hitting it and throwing it, you know, that, that, that's all part of this. And, and I think that they want to see that on a consistent level and then obviously as you hear again ball security and taking care of the football in key moments is a a, a very big deal uh, for where they're going right now back to what the fields could have learned from Bajan or things that Bajan did that fields can do uh, as well maybe improve on Tyson Bajan really had and sometimes to a fault like the anticipatory throws he would throw before the break or he would he would make sure that he was hitting receivers in stride probably in a way that Justin Fields could improve on and that's an area where he could certainly improve on and you would like to see that as far as the the ball security I thought that was an interesting answer in terms of the the quest for consistency because you know I think what happens is when you have 
when you return to fields instead of Bajant, you go from trying not to lose a game to having to try to win it. And when you do that, I think you're going to be able to, you're going to have to be a little bit more aggressive. When you're more aggressive, you might be exposing yourself to, you know, not protect the football as well, or maybe trying to make that throw that might be a little bit riskier uh, or make that play and, and you're lunging for an extra yard and maybe, maybe ball security is, is a problem. That's what you have to watch out for. But I do wonder, did you, did you get a sense from, Luke gets you that even though the, the concerns are valid and they're pretty much it goes without saying about ball security, does he get any sense that he was going to maybe approach the game plan any differently than he might uh, or than he has for the previous four weeks? I didn't get that sense. Um, what I'd like to see sprinkled in a little bit more is some of that movement, you know, and move the pocket for Justin, get him on the on the move, use some play action, do some things, particularly early in this game, to just get him get him back you know, rhythm and in some comfort and, and, and getting them on, you know, on the move where Justin seems to, 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 to get settled in quicker when they do that. Um, it'll be really interesting because you know, this game plan, whatever happens Sunday is going to be scrutinized to the nth degree Sunday night, Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thanksgiving week. And, and wherever you're having Thanksgiving dinner, they're going to ask you about Luke Getz's game plan. I'm sure, because that's just the topic here in town. And uh, this will be notable, right? It'll be another, another point. Uh, in in this bear season, where we we shine the magnifying glass on things and, and can make some judgments about what they did to set Justin up for success, or maybe in in the worst case scenario, not set him up properly for success. It's not a scientific poll. It's not a Twitter poll. It's not anything that you can really measure. It's just anecdotal. But in the past week, I've probably been stopped, as you know, as you probably are around town, half dozen times. Let's say a half dozen times that somebody says, oh, you're so-and-so. Oh, I know you. Hey, what about the Bears? And then it comes. It's not really about Eberflus. It's not really about Justin Fields. The most common question and complaint revolves around Luke Getze. I mean, there is an awareness amongst Bears fans and a annoyance level, and that, that people have reached their limit in terms of running out of patience. I sense my own experience, anecdotally, that they're more fed up with Luke Getze. It'd be like, okay, well, obviously the McCaskies, that are at the top of the list. Sell the team, it's the McCaskies. And then I, I, I almost wonder if Luke Getze is next, and it's gotten to the point where the Bears offensive coordinator is back to being one of the more unpopular people in all of Chicago. Yeah, uh, the problem I have is that it's predictable, and it's something that Brad Biggs and I predicted in, in uh, you know, June and then again in, in July and August when there were some struggles with the quarterback in, in training camp when we said, you know, they're coming for Luke first, you know? Um, and so here we are. Look, like, I don't, I don't think Luke has been a, you know, a top 10 or 12 coordinator in the league this year by any stretch of the imagination, but he's been turned in this city into the boogeyman by a lot of people as the guy who's like, uh, you know, in some people's eyes, like almost going out of his way to, to make Justin worse, you know? And I, I it's just, it's baffled me how quickly that conversation has gotten into the, the extremist territory that we try to stay out of with the electric fence that we put around here. Uh, but like, it's, it, yeah, you, I mean, you're, I've you're been not zapped a couple of times. I've been, I've been zapped a couple of times. I've run after Getsy. I've been chasing that. Uh, I've been chasing that criticism car. I'm like, Ugh. Maybe, maybe, maybe I haven't heard it as, uh, as, as, as wildly from you as I have It's not wild in no, other but pockets, but like, yeah. like, like, you look like this is a union though. And, and as a coordinator and a quarterback and as an offense, you've got to, you've got to find that marriage, you know? And like, I think to Luke's credit, he has been 
adapting, you know, over time, he adapted a year ago and unlocked something that, that bought the bears more time to continue their development of Justin Fields in a, in a, an environment that wasn't as, uh, tense and supercharged he did things uh you know after the the first month of this season to try to, to to get some things unlocked and they had success he had a pivot to an undrafted rookie from Shepard, and they won two of their four games in part because they were setting some things up that that, that allowed them yep. to be successful there so you can't have all those things happen and then say like this guy is the biggest buffoon and boob that's ever existed in in bears corner history as some people will do and they, they will probably do it at my thanksgiving dinner next week as well and then i'll have to say uh you know, get out your phone. I'm going to get you the, the take the North podcast episode, or you're going to go in the, the back room and you're going to listen to this and you're going to come back and we can resume our conversation. Last thing on Getsy, because I, 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 my criticism has hopefully not been crazy out of control, but I think it's been confined to a couple of different areas. I mean, I didn't even one, know we had fitted you for the, uh, the electric fence collar. I, I mean, I know it's like, I got, I got, uh, I got the people like they're, they're painting it around my yard. They're ready to install it. And they got all the marks on my yard and <laughs> ready to be confined. But um, I don't want to go across. I don't want to cross the line, but I think the number one, I drives me crazy sometimes when on short yard situations, he come, he, he ignores the obvious and won't take the gimme. And I think that's guilty of a lot of offensive coordinators in the NFL. Secondly, I haven't liked the way that he sometimes will candidly blame players instead of taking responsibility the way a lot of coaches do. I understand sometimes that's all in the name of accountability, but I don't like his tendency to necessarily do that. And the third thing is, I think the inflexibility of trying to fit, you know, the skill set of Justin Fields into his scheme rather than fit, you know, it's, it's always the same old story, trying to tailor the scheme around the talents. And I think he's, uh, he's a young coach with a lot of potential, but you do have to give him credit for getting the most out of Tyson Bajan, which is, I think, what a lot of coaches almost relish that challenge of taking somebody who has, you know, what's considered uh, modest talent in the NFL and getting the most out of it. And that really challenges them to do things that they might not be able to do with more superior athletes. So anyway, I, I will, uh, I'll definitely stay within the confines of my electric fence and try to be fairer to Luke Getzey. I had a private text conversation with someone. Um, this was probably just before Justin got hurt about some of these conversations and, and this, almost mythical offensive system that people want them to run that is specifically tailored precisely to what Justin is as a quarterback. And this person who is very, very football knowledgeable said that's the Mitch Trubisky offense that everyone wanted at the end of Mitch's time here, which is like this, this you, you, all you do is cut the field in half and run play action and get him on the move. And you run this elementary offense that that can basically unlock short-term success for you but is not sustainable in any sort of high level there's a, there's a very low ceiling on that and so we can go forward again we'll watch this game sunday in detroit we'll see what the game plan looks like maybe i'll do a deep dive in every single uh play they call and figure out what it looked like in justin's first game back but i the, I, I don't know there, there's just it, it feels like knee-jerk to me for a lot of a lot of people to, yeah. to Go ahead. You can respond. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's mythical because we've seen it. I, I mean, I, it may it may be something that isn't sustainable to get to the Super Bowl, but everything's incremental, to use a Trubisky term, incremental progress. And it's not mythical because we saw it work. We saw it work, and then there was a departure from that because it was almost like the Bears overcorrected because they didn't think that method was sustainable. But we saw the Justin Fields offense work. Justin Fields, you know, was James Harden. He was the system. 
He was the system. Are you talking about for the games. for the four games last year in in October and well, early four, November? Four or six game. I mean, yeah, it, was it was four. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like defenses figured that out, and they, they said, okay, like we're not going to let you do that. We're not going to let you beat us in that fashion, and you're going to have to develop a counterpunch. And the counterpunch has to, to 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 be a starting quarterback in the NFL, learning how to be a consistently productive passer. We ran through the numbers of of how his historically low they were in terms of passing production and they've been better this year, but they haven't been fantastic. And so eventually as a quarterback in the NFL, you have to be a productive passer. And so I don't know, like, again, we're, we're getting off track here and we've got a lot of other ground to cover. We'll see what happens at Ford field and we'll be able to, to kind of circle back on this. And, and maybe we'll dive into some specifics next week of what worked, what didn't and, and what we could have uh, seen instead. Speaking of rants, let's get into our numbers <laughs> game and predictions. Good numbers package this week in chicagotribune.com. I stole from it this on Thursday morning a little bit already, Dan, with your number 41, the number of completions of 20 yards or longer by Jared Goff, ranking second in the league to Texans rookie C.J. Stroud. Thank you for that little nugget on the Mullane Haw Show. What else you got? Yeah, that was one of them. The uh, I, I'm going to start you on the same topic uh, with Justin Fields and give you 67, and that was the length of Justin's touchdown run against the Lions last November at Soldier Field. It's the longest run of his career, the longest run of his 1,143-yard uh, rushing season. He had 10 rushes a year ago of 20 yards or more, four of them, came against Detroit. And so you've got maybe something here in this Lions defense that you can uh, expose a little bit. All four of those runs of 20 plus were very, very different concepts, but it was Justin getting into the open field and making a big play. And so it'll can't be do that. Defense will adjust. <laughs> we'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. We'll turn it loose. Uh, <laughs> my second number you alluded to a, a little bit ago, and it's that 13 and four mark that the Lions have over the last 17 games league wide over the last 17. There's only three teams that have been better chiefs, Eagles, 49ers. We know, know that those guys are the heavyweights in the league right now and so that puts the the lions in that in that category and as you mentioned the bears by contrast are three and 14 in the last 17 only team worse in the league those putrid arizona cardinals who are coming here for christmas eve they've been two and 15 in their last seven this is a different topic and certainly it could be a long podcast but is that my worst take of the season at the beginning of the year thinking the lions were not legit uh well yeah, we've got a whole postseason episode devoted to these. I'm sure that we may be able to get studs to dig up a couple of those bad okay. ones. But we always have, bad. You know, we also do the Hong Kong Awards, so we'll, we'll definitely, right. we'll definitely okay. mute those. My All last right. number, and this one I love because this one is going to be very relevant to Sunday's game, and it's 100. And it's the number of career uh, fourth down attempts by Dan Campbell since he became a head coach of the Lions uh, two and a half seasons ago. The Lions love a little fourth down aggression. Last week in L.A. against the Chargers, they went for it on fourth down five times, converted four of them, including on their final drive when they passed up a potential game-winning field goal attempt because they did not want to give Justin Herbert the ball back after he had led five consecutive touchdown drives, and they were able to convert fourth and two on a Jared Goff to Sam Laporta pass, drain the rest of the clock, and then kicked the Riley Patterson game-winning field goal. But you you better be ready. And we talked to Bears coaches all day. Dave Borgonzi, John Hoke, talked about how you, you know, David, you know this sign in the NFL. It's like, hey, we just forced a team to get the fourth down. We're off the field as a defense. No, you're not. 
You better be ready to stay on the field because they may go for it. They may fake a punt. They're going to be ultra aggressive. And so you better be ready to, to, to play record, all outs. That's insane. That was an insane decision. Fourth and two, you kick the field goal. You take the lead. I know you give them the what, – what, what if they would have missed and then the Chargers would have gone down and scored and they would have lost? I've got I mean, a, it's crazy. I've got a lot more on this in, in our segment after we make our predictions okay. because it, it, it does relate to who Dan is as a, as a coach and why it's working in Detroit right now because it's more than just the the, the analytics of it. But yeah, I mean, fascinating, right? Like, so be ready, be ready on fourth down to uh, to stay glued to the glued to the set or, or wherever you're watching the game. Before we get to our predictions, let's go into the Wayback Machine. January 1st, 2023. <laughs> the Bears Day. had just lost on New Year's Day to the Lions, 41-10 to 10 at Ford Field. I think that uh, this was the loss that put some of us, well, at least one of us, I, well, look, like I woke up that morning and I made a hard and fast New Year's resolution to be calmer and more composed with everything I did. And then later this uh, in that afternoon, I had uh, uh, a, a little it, bit of a reaction. It was that a studs, great studs oh, pulled on. out of the time machine. Here we go. Just insane right now to 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 see the number of things this team has to be concerned about. Again, this was the league's worst defense that they were facing. They came into the day healthier offensively than they've been in a while. They had Claypool available to them. Equinemius St. Brown is back from the concussion. Dante Pettis was able to, to to get cleared to be active today. Tevin Jenkins was back to start. Cody Whitehair was back to start. Well, then what happens, right? Tevin Jenkins lost again to another injury. Neck injured again availability big question there this is a guy that a month ago everyone said he should be in the pro bowl he can't stay on the field right these receivers you traded a second round pick for chase claypool he had more temper tantrums on the sideline than he had catches today one to zero right i mean there's just so many things that are 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 concerning here and and we've just spent months as a city trying to rationalize oh it's great for a draft pick it's okay if you lose all these games the future is so bright like today was an illumination of, of just how unbright it is and how much work they have to do to get, you know, 3,000 flashlights to make it bright. <laughs> unbright. Unbright it is. That sounds like a slogan. 3,000 flashlights. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, that, that's frustration. That's frustration talking. I actually had a little bit of PTSD there because it's like, this has been my existence on this beat for, for, for 11 years. Yeah, I mean, it adds up. It, <laughs> it, I mean, it does. It's the cumulative effect. I've been around for, for uh, 20, not actually day to day, but it, it is. There's some there's some PTSD. That's why you become numb to it almost when things like uh, this season happen. At least there hasn't been any assistant coaches fired lately. Yeah, I actually, I was walking out of Hell's Hall on Thursday afternoon and, and feeling like this was the most normal routine week that we've had in, in a couple months, whether it's because it wasn't a short week, you know, it's a, right. a standard schedule and nothing major happened. Like, like there was literally no news on Thursday at all at Hell's Hall. And you're like, wait a second, like there's literally, literally nothing of relevance happened here today. And so uh, sometimes that's OK. That's okay. It never happens. Our- when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's bring in Studs to make our predictions because uh, I do wonder which direction he's headed after the Bears are trying to put together a two-game winning streak for the first time in the Eberflus era. So, yeah, I, I, real quick, can I say something about the going forward on fourth down stuff? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I absolutely love it. You are, you're trying to win the game. You're not mm-hmm. trying to lose. Like You're not trying not to lose. You're trying to win the game. By going forward on fourth and two, you win the game almost automatically. The Bears did the same thing earlier this year by going for a fourth and one that, that they didn't succeed on against Denver. Had they converted that fourth down, they win the game. And, unless Carlos Santos misses a field goal, which he wouldn't have. So anyway, I just needed to get that out. Like I love that he goes forward on fourth down. More coaches should do it like Brandon Staley does. I know it hasn't worked out for him as, as well as it as well as he would like, and it might get him fired, but I love that he does it. So anyway, more coaches need to do it. And I think that, I think that that's part of the attitude of Dan Campbell and what this team is, is turned into. So, and, and also David, your take on the lions before the season, <laughs> not a bad take. I had the same thing. They needed to prove it to me. So, and they've proved it so far. That being said, I'm picking the bears this week just because oh, I, I believe that they're going to win. <laughs> wow. What's the score? What's the score? I got uh, I, what did I say? I can't remember what I said on the, on the score website. It doesn't matter. I got to win it by three. I think 20, 20, 29 to 26 or 26 to 23. So it's three point victory. Upset alert. Uh, upset alert. Upset alert. All right, good call. Yeah. Hey, listen, the Lions could have a letdown. They're coming back from a West coast trip, a walk-off field goal. They play with emotion. Maybe they will be a little bit flat. That is my concern for the Lions this week. I think that if, if, if they are to stumble in this situation, it's because they are going to come out a little bit bored because they've been on a, on a little bit of a run and, and they're just not as jacked up as they need to be. I also have told you all week that I'm really excited to get into that environment at Ford Field because I think that's going to be the instant wake-up call and the alarm. And so I have the Lions winning this game 29-17. to 17. I just think that they are high-powered enough offensively to make the Bears play keep up. And I'm not sure the Bears... Uh, with Justin Fields knocking off some rust, are going to be able to do that in that building. Uh, we'll see which direction it goes. Yeah, I think the Lions' offensive line is going to control the football game, and that's to be the, probably they get a lot of attention for a lot of things. Their offensive line against the Bears' defensive front that's good against the run. This is going to be too big of a match. The Bears step up in class. I think Jared Goff is going to manage the game and take advantage of some opportunities. The Bears will be competitive. I think though it will eventually they'll fall short. Thirty-one twenty-four Lions and. And, um, boy, it, uh, it'll be closer than New Year's Day. But Justin Fields coming back will spark the offense a little bit. But I just don't think they're going to be able to stop the Lions running game. Because as much as the Bears talk about their running game, the Lions one-two punch of Gibbs and Montgomery pretty good. No question. All right. Great. Uh, good good uh, prediction there, studs. Who knows? Bears could pull one off and you'll be right. All right. Let's, um, let's segue into um, our, our look at the Lions and Dan Campbell because, to me, he is Dan. I mean, you can mention D'Amico Ryans. You can mention some other guys. I think Dan Campbell has a legitimate claim right now uh, as a front runner for the NFL Coach of the Year. What he's done in terms of just having his team – 
reflect his personality is something that you want with every hire. And it may yeah. have taken some time. And it's a little unorthodox, maybe a lot unorthodox, but give credit where it's due. He's really got this team playing for him. Yeah. Um, look, there's a notable level of passion that he coaches with, and there's a notable level of passion that the Lions play with. There's energy. There's this mix of uh, just everything that you want. And and I wrote a piece for my storylines piece at chicagotribune.com about that magic touch. And when you circle back to this game last week against the Chargers, it's a small snapshot in time of what Dan Campbell has meant over his time here. Don't forget, he was 3-13-1 and in his first season with the Lions. They got off to a 1-6 and start in his second season. And since they've gotten on this, this run here, they won 8-10 to finish last year, 7-9 to to start this year. And what you see is just this building belief. you know. And so Jared Goff talks about that play we just talked about a minute ago. Fourth and two, you've got a chance to kick a go-ahead field goal and you say, no, we're going to go get this here. Not only are we going to go get this here, we're going to allow Ben John and to dial up a passing play and you're going to go through three reads as a quarterback and then you're going to circle back to your second option there and you're going to hit it and, and Jared Goff said after the game he said Dan's got big balls and and, and he went on to say that it, it makes us want him to be right you know and so that, that, that back and forth of the trust factor creates this 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 juice and I'm a huge juice guy you've heard it before from me in terms of wanting a team to have juice and this here's how I would define juice it's a combination of belief it's collective confidence as a group it's fearlessness and it's the desire for those big moments and when you get all of those things together and you get that juice flowing it results in what's happening for the Lions right here where it's just like let's go it's the the LFG effect, you know, where the juice gets going and then everybody believes that the biggest moments are going to come and you are going to meet them together because your coach trusts you to meet those moments and he's prepared you to meet those moments. And there, there's just a, a special effect, as Studs was saying a minute ago, to that aggressiveness, to that mentality that is more than just the the, the analytics, right? They, they, they've gone for it 100 times. They've missed it 47 times. But guess what? You know, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. When you're playing with that fearlessness and that belief and that collective confidence, it's meaningful and they've got it going. The last Bears team, I think, that had that juice was 2018 and we saw how that ended. Those are, great points. <laughs> Those are great points. And, and I think that, you know, I, I can be, I, I can, I can tap into my inner Eber, Eberflux and be the footballiest of football guys, because that is the way that I love the sport and always have. And I respect all of that stuff. I do think though, it always helps to get tap into that juice and to use it to your advantage and use emotion to, to get over the top. When you have first round draft picks, whose juice you are getting to flow, you know, it helps yeah. to have Panay Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, Jameer Gibbs, Jared Goff and all of the receivers. And then you have, you draft yeah. Brian branch and he fits in. I mean, they have talent in Detroit, which makes me, I mean, this is a question to me, the chicken or the egg thing. Is it Dan Campbell getting this team to overachieve or to play up to its potential or to be, you know, risk averse and or, or not to be afraid to take the risks and, and to get the rewards? Or is it Brad Holmes putting together this roster in a way that gives Dan Campbell tons of good options because this is one of the better rosters in the NFC now because of its completeness? So. I go back and forth, but I do want to say that it's tough to get the Lions, any professional team, to play as much for their coach as the Lions seem to be playing for their coach. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, and it's significant. And we'll see where it goes down the stretch of the season. Like the Lions were projected to do some really big things this year. And so that probably eliminates Dan Campbell from coach of the year conversations because almost always it goes to like the team that wasn't expected to do much and then did something. But I would make the argument that right now you couldn't find a, a coach that's done a better job of getting his team to play up to their potential and to go chase big things the way the Lions are with Dan Campbell. I'd make the same argument. I, I- I think it sometimes get, gets overlooked just just because the Lions came into the season with high expectations. They were playing the Chiefs in the opener doesn't diminish what Dan Campbell has done to make all of that happen. They haven't fallen short of expectations. Sometimes the hardest part about coaching is getting your team to meet them, not exceed them. So Dan Campbell, to me, is is right now done the best job of any coach in the NFL because of what they're, what they're able to say that they are at, at little after midseason. And by the way, in that storylines piece that I referenced, I did point out that their first victory of the season came on the road against the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, in which they ran a fake punt on fourth and two from their own 17-yard line to extend what turned into a eventual touchdown drive and what turned out to be a one-point win against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's just another one of those yeah. examples where you're like, there's, 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 there's a little something to it. If it fails, it's miserable. But when it works, all of a sudden that momentum is pretty palpable and pretty significant. Little asterisk about that victory though, against the chiefs. I mean, Tay Tay wasn't there. <laughs> she was that's a good point. She that's was a good point. She wasn't in the picture yet. So. Maybe they'll get a rematch. They're the a different team when the Swifties are part of the uh, chiefs kingdom. All right, let's wrap things up with our two minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Dan, I don't understand it. Nate Davis is back. He's at right guard. Tevin Jenkins, the most versatile guy in that offensive line, switch over to the left side willingly, it seems. He'll make himself some money if he can be that versatile. He'll become more valuable. Why did the Bears change up their offensive line yet again? Comfort. They wanted to keep the comfort of, of Nate Davis where he, he is uh, good playing. Don't forget, Tevin Jenkins was slated to be the starter at left guard all through the spring, all through the summer, all up until the point that he got hurt in training camp. And so he, is, he has worked there enough to be able to go back to that position without much of a, a, of a hiccup. Um, maybe this is something you revisit when you get to the offseason and you figure out if you want to reshuffle things. But for right now, they just felt like that was the best comfort play for them, uh, particularly going on the road uh, with a quarterback that needs to be really reliant on the offensive line to hold up to, to, to do what he needs to do on Sunday. Number five in Honolulu blue on Sunday will be David Montgomery, a familiar face with a familiar running style, 501 yards, 106 carries, 4.7 yards per carry, Dan, three games over a hundred yards. David Montgomery is an impact player for the Lions. I don't know how surprised you are, but with Jameer Gibbs, he gives the Lions one of the better ones who punches in the NFL. It's scary. No, that, that, that that's a scary one-two punch. And obviously, the Lions invested in David Montgomery in free agency, and then they, uh, you know, defied current modern-day NFL logic by drafting Jameer Gibbs right after that. You know, a month later, and, and and putting those two together. Well, you talk to Bears defensive coaches, and they go, "My God, like this is really difficult to slow down." David's having a, a really good year. I think there's been some misconceptions on his departure from Chicago. I thought the Bears did um, a lot to try to keep him here, and I think if anybody wants to like really dive deep into that story. It's that David Montgomery wanted to change the scenery. He wanted to go somewhere where he felt like they were on uh, an escalator 
towards NFL success. And so if you're going to be be mad at the bears for anything, it's not being good enough to keep a player like that, believing that you're on the verge of succeeding. Uh, And so he's in Detroit now and, and, and presumably on his way to the playoffs. Not one, but two brother combinations will be matching up on Sunday at Ford field. You've got the uh, St. Brown brothers, Amon Ross, St. Brown for the lions and Equinemius St. Brown for the bears. And then you've got Noah Sewell for the bears, the outside linebacker, the rookie, and Panay Sewell, uh, the older brother, the right tackle, who is a difference maker for the Lions. That's a lot of fun. They were going to be teammates for one season at Oregon, and then Panay Sewell did the uh, the business practical move and decided to sit out that season and prepare himself for the NFL draft. And we'll see what uh, happens on on Sunday at Ford Field. Obviously, uh, you know Noah Sewell is, is a player that is on the rise. I think in the Bears coaching staff's eyes, he plays with great instincts. We heard from Dave Borgonzi on Thursday just talking about a little bit of that the the instinctive nature with he plays. Hopefully, up the road he earns a, a bigger role. But right now, the Bears are, are really good with the the combinations that they have with Edwards and Sanborn now. And when Edmonds comes back, he'll obviously slot back into the start. Speaking of brothers and relationships, are we sure that Jack Campbell and Jack Sanborn aren't related because they sure play alike <laughs> different last names. So that's, oh, okay. one of, that's one of the obvious tells there. So the guess are they, don't they, are they similar? Don't they look like they're the same player? I mean, both very good linebackers. I know Jack Campbell was a first round pick and Jack Sanborn was undrafted, but boy, they are both big 10 linebackers that play a similar style. There you go. Yeah. And as for the wrap it up with, you have an appreciation for Cairo Santos, but I tell you what, if there's a kicker to appreciate, it's Riley Patterson. He yeah. walked off a victory for the Lions. What do you want to give love to Cairo Santos for? Well, a couple of things here. So, so Patterson was one of the, one of uh, six kickers to to kick a buzzer beating field goal to win a game on Sunday in Week Ten. That was a big week for kickers. I I spent uh, ten minutes at Cairo's locker on Wednesday, and we talked about two things that were pretty notable. Number one was the ending sequence to that Broncos Bills game. You can read about that in storylines because I thought it was cool to get a specialist eyes on what was a pretty frenzied sequence with the Broncos running that hurry up field goal attempt, missing it, and then getting the luxury of a 12 men on the field penalty from Buffalo to then win the game in that situation. But Cairo also was three for three. And we talked about that last week. He kicks a 54 yarder against the Panthers last week in the first quarter after his 49 yard make was nullified by a penalty. And you heard from inside the building this week, how just ultra comforting it is to, to know that you've got a guy, a leader, a, a dependable contributor that can make up for a big mistake there. If you take three points off the board with a false start penalty and a field goal kick. That's how you lose football games. Cairo makes it from 54. Well, Cairo's now four for four on 50 plus field goals this season. He has made three of those inside soldier field. And so we talked a lot about kind of the emphasis he had in the off season of getting better on his long range kicks. And he said, it's not about leg strength with him. It's about how, how well he's striking the ball. And he found some things in his technique and he found ways to work on the consistency in a way that's paying off in a big way. When you have a grind, game like they had last week against the Panthers. You better be able to lean on your kicker in big moments. He was four for four, including the PAT, and that's a big deal. So I'm giving Cairo his uh, semi-annual shout out here on the Take the North Pod. Ten minutes, huh? <laughs> great, great conversation. Like, like that guy is really, really uh, good at elaborating on a lot of stuff. And that uh, I'm telling you that Bill's that Bill's Bronco sequence is a, 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 a really weird one to me. I don't know if you had any reaction watching it live, but I was just curious to kind of get a kicker's eyes on like, why would your coach play the risk reward game of putting you in 
fire drill situation when you don't have to. Like sometimes it's urgency. necessary. Yeah. Created urgency. Why did they do that? That was dumb. <laughs> and then what was even dumber was that the Bills have the 12 men on the field. The special teams have the blunder. The head coach makes a mistake. Let's fire the offensive coordinator. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Well, I'm glad you gave you kicker some love. All right, some bookkeeping, some housekeeping. This is a Take the North podcast. You listen to us on the free Odyssey app, and you can watch us on the um, 670 Scores YouTube page. December 2nd, 2 o'clock, 670 to score and 670thescore.com and on your free Odyssey app. Take the North podcast. We'll start to have uh, – we'll start to be played 2 o'clock on Saturday – on December 2nd, the Take the North podcast will have special broadcasts, rebroadcasts of that week's Friday drop. So if you don't listen to us on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, you can catch us on 670 to score 2 o'clock on Saturdays beginning on December 2nd. So that's exciting. You told me something I didn't know. See? Yeah, I surprised you. Probably surprised studs, too. I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to share that publicly yet, but it's in the works, and it will get done. And if you listen to this long into the podcast, 50 minutes, you deserve a little bit of a cookie at the end. There's go. the cookie. Thank you, and it'll be a lot of fun. All right, so we'll wrap things up. We'll be coming back on Sunday night with the Reaction Podcast. Hopefully, Dan will not have a rant from Ford Field to give us some analysis there. We'll be uh, probably Sunday night after the game and we'll react to whatever happens Sunday between the Bears and the Lions. For Adam Sadinsky, Dan Weeder, I'm David Hall. Thank you for listening to the Take the North Podcast. Great talk. See you out there.